coming up on the Sark Fighter podcast. This this is not normal. Let's send you for a chest X-ray. And that's how my journey officially started. Wow, chest X. So your ankles hurt. So the first thing they do is send you for a chest X-ray. Gary Farrow's sarcoidosis just keeps getting worse. And so, yeah, in the past five years, so past five years, skin, eyes, bones, and now I lost hearing in the left ear. And yet she is fighting back staying active, and helping other Sark patients overcome their illness. This is the Sark Fighter Podcast, living with sarcoidosis and other rare diseases. Here's your host, John Carlin. Hello and welcome. This is episode 62 of the Sark Fighter Podcast, brought to you in part by a grant from Atire Pharma. If you have pulmonary sarcoidosis and are between the ages of 18 to 75, you may qualify for this new clinical trial. The Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research is excited to be partnering with Novartis for a research study to test an investigational treatment that may help those living with pulmonary sarcoidosis. This opportunity is not only taking place in the U.S., there are also international locations available. Visit www.stopsarcoidosis.org to learn more and see if you qualify. For participating international locations, check out clinicaltrials.gov and then search sarcoidosis CMK 389. And there will be a link in the show notes to make this easier for you if you're looking for direct contact via stopsarcoidosis.org. Hi guys, welcome to the Sark Fighter podcast where I tell you kind of what sarcoidosis is all about. Sometimes we'll take a deep dive with doctors or researchers. Sometimes it's listening to patients talk about their experiences. You know, but I I find that not knowing about the disease, what to expect, what's quote-unquote normal, what are the side effects of the drugs we take, what's fact and what's fiction, sorting that all out is what I'm trying to do here on the Sark Fighter podcast. I go straight to the people whose lives have been affected by it, or on the other hand, the people who are trying to fix all those problems. And we hear directly from them, and I try to ask everybody the questions that you would want to know if you could talk to them. And if you listen to the podcast, I think think we're doing a pretty good job of sorting it all out here for you without being extremist, without being scary, you know, beyond beyond just how scary the disease actually is. I, I, I hope it's real. Uh, I hope this is uh, where you are finding what you want to know about sarcoidosis. You might want to go back, actually, and listen to the previous episode. That's where I talked about expectations in your life once sarcoidosis has unfortunately found you, as it found me. Uh, Well, I was diagnosed in 2016 and probably was dealing with it for several years before that. So just how how your life changes and how you look at, uh, this is an overused term, but your new normal and kind of figuring out what that's all about. So expectations was in the previous episode. The episode before that, episode 60, where Jack Bepley describes how cardiac sarcoidosis knocked him back from feeling fine and fit to a scary hospital stay and an experience that literally still gives him PTSD. So you might want to go back and listen to that one as well. And in addition, here on the Sark Fighter podcast, we talk about the many areas where the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research, based in Chicago, is helping address all of the areas where SARC touches your life. That could be support groups, it could be research studies, fundraising to help fund that research, or new findings along the way. I heard an expression this week that you may have heard before, and it speaks to the difficulty in dealing with and diagnosing sarcoidosis. Have you heard the expression, if you hear hoofbeats, think horses, not zebras? So what does that mean? Well, 
If you're, say, a police investigator and you've got a bunch of clues in front of you and those are the hoofbeats, what it's telling that investigator is to look for the obvious answer, not the difficult, maybe not so apparent answer. So the obvious answer is if you hear hoofbeats coming, it's probably horses. Unless you're in Africa, it's probably not zebras, right? And so now you're a doctor and a patient comes in and they describe their condition. Well, the doctor is not going to automatically lean into a rare disease. They're going to go for the common causes of that problem. So they're not going to be looking for zebras. They're going to be looking for horses, which I think probably they should be doing. But if you have sarcoidosis, that's frustrating because it's not on their radar, right? We are the zebras. Those of us with sarcoidosis are zebras. And so these are hoofbeats when zebras are actually coming. And I would say that if there is a takeaway now after 60 plus segments here on the podcast and talking to all these people I just mentioned, it's it's frustrating for patients because the doctor's don't look for zebras. And sometimes, even when the zebras are almost trampling them, they can't see them because they're so intent on looking for horses. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. So here on the podcast, you know, we have to shine a light on the zebras as much as we can. And we have to kind of take the advice that we're hearing over and over, which is to go to a clinic that specializes in sarcoidosis, where the doctors are used to seeing zebras. Let's think these doctors are maybe in Africa. I actually had a chance to go on an African photo safari a couple of years ago, and there were zebras literally right outside my hotel room, <laughs> you know. And so so to the people who were there and saying their zebras are an everyday thing, right? Well, for the doctors who specialize in sarcoidosis, zebras are, are an everyday thing. So just something to think about. If you hear hoofbeats, think horses, not zebras, unless you have sarcoidosis. How's that? All right, the, the good news is the progress is being made. Uh, More and more doctors are becoming aware of sarcoidosis thanks to lots of work from the various agencies, not the least of which is the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research. But um, on the medical front, as you know, the SarcFinder podcast is brought to you in part by a grant from ATAR Pharma, which is now working on a drug they can officially call EFSOFIT, which is short for EFSOFITAMOD. And the drug aims to replace or at least reduce the need for prednisone right now in pulmonary patients. And on May 17th of 2022, the company issued a news release with more positive findings. All of this is coming out of the May meeting of the International Thoracic Society in San Francisco, where uh, ATIRE presented two posters. When you when you go to these big medical conferences, poster sounds like something you do for eighth grade when the teacher tells you you've got to have a project. But that's what they do at these medical conferences, and the posters are actually a big deal because they are presenting to other clinicians the results of uh, a lot of research, and a ton goes into it. You know, millions and millions of dollars and, and years of research goes into the presentation of these posters. And I'm just going to read you one paragraph. It gets a little clinical here, but it's not too bad. I'll read you one paragraph from the news release that was issued on the 17th of May here in 2022. It says, Efsofitamod was safe and well-tolerated and demonstrated dose-dependent improvements in key physiologic and quality-of-life measures in the context of a steroid taper 
which according to medical experts is the first study of any therapy to do so in pulmonary sarcoidosis patients, said Sanjay S. Shukla, MDMS, president and CEO of ATIRE. It says, quote, based on these findings, we are advancing efsafitamod to a pivotal phase three study, which we expect to initiate in the third quarter of the year. That's 2022. Efsofit, a global multicenter study to evaluate the efficacy and safety of efsafitamod in patients with pulmonary sarcoidosis, will be the first study in this patient population to evaluate steroid reduction as the primary endpoint and presents an opportunity to deliver transformative therapy with uh, clinically meaningful outcomes to those patients. So the bottom line is, is that in all the studies so far, it appears that EFSOFIT works and they are now ready to go to phase three to see if uh, it continues to work in a larger study. And, and that the idea here is that EFSOFIT works when you reduce steroids, prednisone, and then use EFSOFIT patients still have a positive outcome. Now, if you've been listening, you may recognize the name Dr. Sanjay Shukla. He's the CEO, as I said, and he's made three previous appearances here on the Sark Fighter podcast as he's been walking us through the progress with this drug. And he did reach out to me this week to let me know that they had released more data and that this news release had been posted. And so now I'm in the process of working with his scheduler to get another interview, and I expect that that will happen sooner rather than later. So this is very exciting, uh, a very exciting development in the fight against sarcoidosis. And you guys, you know, you know if you listen how much I love to talk about how much prednisone can ruin your life because I was on 80 milligrams, which is a lot, for several months back in 2019 as doctors tried to get me under control after a flare. Um, and yes, it controls the disease. It got my flare under control, but the side effects are terrible. They can be long-lasting depending upon how long you're on prednisone. So if this EFSOFIT can replace steroids or reduce steroids, Uh, prednisone is a first line of defense, that would be a huge step forward. So great news. Stay tuned for that interview. You might want to go back and listen to episode 45, where Dr. Shukla talked about how and why EFSOFIT is showing so much promise, how it works in the body, and what it does to give us the opportunity to perhaps replace prednisone down the road. That would be a huge huge development. Okay, my guest today, however, is Gari Farrell. She joins us from her home state in Florida. She lives in Tallahassee, and Gari is an inspiration because she's been fighting Sark for 15 years, and it has slowly been creeping from her lungs to other parts of her body, and she's going to tell us all about that. She's not shy about sharing the details. She's still fighting the disease but she is still working. She is on, in fact, several committees for the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research. So she is giving back while she's fighting it. She's also trying to help the rest of us cope. And I will tell you that her family had an extremely significant sarcoidosis event. That's not my story to tell. That's hers. And she will reveal that during the interview. So my interview with Gary Farrell is coming up next. I feel like a zombie just feeding at stumbling. Hi, I hope you're enjoying the Sark Fighter podcast. You may be wondering, what can I do to help? How can I be a part of the sarcoidosis solution? It's simple. Make a donation to KISS. Kick in to stop sarcoidosis. 100% of the money goes to the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research. Look for a link in the show notes of the Sark Fighter podcast. Welcome back to the Sark Fighter podcast. And joining me now is Gary 
Uh, Pharaoh, uh, who plays many roles within the foundation for sarcoidosis research as a volunteer and is coming up on 16 years as a SARC survivor. Gari, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me today. So you six, you said we're all it's 15 years plus almost 16 years and you knew the anniversary date, didn't you? Uh, it's actually August. Um, I started getting my appointments in April. So for me, April's the anniversary, but I didn't get the official diagnosis until August of 16 years ago. 16 years. That's a long time. And I want to hear about when did you first know something was wrong? Um, honestly, I knew something was wrong 20 years ago. Um, uh, I have a thing that I love cute shoes and purses, and I had these fantastic boots that I love to wear. They were the greatest thing ever. And my feet and ankles started to swell. Um, and I used to play basketball in high school, so I'm used to ankle sprains. I know what my feet and ankles will do, but I, this was not normal. Um, so probably about four about four, four and a half years in total of going to different primary care doctors. And um, I am a taller, larger woman. And so um, I've always been told, well, you need to lose weight. It's like I exercise every day. I'm not losing any more weight, but they were saying the reason my feet and ankles were swelling was because of the weight. So I went and lost more weight, still couldn't wear the shoes, uh, moved to a different city, uh, found a new primary care physician, Actually, my second one here in Tallahassee was the one who went, this is not normal. You are uh, about 30, 31 at the point. This, this is not normal. Let's send you for a chest X-ray. And that's how my journey officially started. Wow. Chest X. So your ankles hurt. So the first thing they do is send you for a chest X-ray, yes. uh, <laughs> which wouldn't seem intuitive, but I guess the doctor must have been thinking pulmonary sarcoidosis then. Um, she kind of mentioned, she goes, it could be your lungs. It could be your heart. She goes for your feet and ankles to be swelling. There's something vascular going on and we don't know why. She goes, I'm listening to, um, you know, just using a, a stethoscope. I'm listening to your lungs. It sounded fine. Um, you're exercising. Uh, you're not complaining of any shortness of breath. So let's figure out what's happening with you. Okay. And, and so was that conclusive or was that just the next clue? Uh, the chest x-ray was the next clue. Um, they realized at that point, because you could see my lymph nodes on x-ray um, and the lungs looked suspicious. And um, at that point I was sent for a mediastinoscopy, basically a lymph node biopsy. Um, ended up with a brand new scar and that's where they definitely confirmed that, yep, this was sarcoidosis because they, after the chest x-ray, they said this could be leukemia and, uh, and, or sarcoidosis. The way I remember it, it was, I heard leukemia and possibly sarcoidosis and the leukemia scared me because um, I hadn't heard of sarcoidosis before um, in any major detail other than Bernie Mac. So, right. Um, right. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, after they figured out it's sarcoidosis with the lymph node biopsy, then did, did, did they start with a normal prednisone routine? No. Um, I was seeing a pulmonologist local to my city, and I was told of the stage one, the four stages. And since I was at stage one, I had no other symptoms happening. There was no reason for me to go on any medications and that if I ever started coughing or becoming short of breath while exercising to basically come back. And um, I had one appointment a year later, just to everything's still the same, but at no point was medication even talked about. Um, I did go back to my primary and asked, okay, now I've been diagnosed with sarcoidosis. What does that mean? And she told me she didn't know. She goes, I could tell you this much of what I remember from med school, medical school. I can't answer any of your questions. Go back to the surgeon. Um, and went back to him and it was, yeah, you have stage one, but that's good because, you know, four is horrible. You're at one. So there's nothing to do. Um, my current pulmonologist who specializes in uh, sarcoidosis, she said, no, you, uh, stage one is no better than stage four. <laughs> you had symptoms. You just weren't coughing. 
she goes, your lungs did not look good. There should have been some treatment started then. Um, but that took another, shoot, I think it probably was probably about another three to four years before I started any official treatment. That just amazes me. And I'm curious about this stage one, stage two, stage three, stage four, which is the terminology that we're used to hearing for cancer patients. And I've heard other SART patients that I've interviewed on the podcast talk about it a little bit. Uh, No one has ever used that term with me. Can you describe the difference between stage one and stage four? Other than that it's worse? Yeah. Um, What I was told originally was that, um, yes, my lungs were cloudy, but they were not completely infiltrated. And you could see my lymph nodes on x-ray. Stage four is pretty much you're on oxygen. The lungs are completely um, gray and um, looks like ground glass completely covers the entire lungs at stage four. Um, is how it was described to me initially that each stage, your lungs get a little cloudier, a little bit more ground glass until it gets to the point where you're not able to breathe. Um, what I've been told recently and, you know, confirmed with more research is that yes, um, the stages do impact how the lungs appear, but you could be on oxygen at stage two. Um, you could be walking around, not fine, but uh, without oxygen at stage four, it's just showing what the um, impact on your lungs looks like when you're just trying to look at the x-ray or the MRI or CT. Um, and it. actually stage one, I believe only includes the lymph nodes um, and any of the others only impact just what the lungs look like. So you and I are, are both on a, a number of committees with the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research. Uh, and what I'm, what I'm hearing, and I just, maybe you know, maybe you don't, but what I'm hearing is, is this stage one through four may be just reserved for pulmonary patients because everything you've described is lung involvement. Whereas like with cancer, my understanding is when you have stage four cancer, let's say it starts in your kidneys or whatever, it then has spread to other parts of your body and it's metastasized. And that's so, so when we talk about stage four with sarcoidosis, we're not talking about it spreading to other parts of your body, even though that can happen, but that's not, that's not what the stages describe. Exactly. Which I find interesting because it would make more sense if they'd actually classified it that way as as they do in cancer. Uh, because technically, thankfully, due to one medication, my lungs are clear and my lymph nodes have shrunk in size from being, you know, really big to not being as big. Uh, but I've had other um, organs be impacted by sarcoidosis. So to me, following the cancer um, way of being, I'm probably more of a stage three, um, just because I have multiple organs impacted by sarcoidosis. So, yeah, but currently it's only for lungs. Got it. All right. And and is it still currently after almost 16 years, is it still just in your lungs or has it spread? It spread. And it actually ah. took um, quite, it took about 10 years to spread. Um, started with, I noticed some skin issues, went to my local dermatologist. And first I was told eczema, then I was told psoriasis, then I was told I had both. Um, went to a sarcoidosis dermatologist and was like, no, 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 this is sarcoid. That's what this is. Um, and so, yeah, in the past five years, so past five years, skin, eyes, bones, and now I lost hearing in the left ear. So, um, fun times. Yeah. And that's on immune suppressors. You started, you said after about four years, a doctor said, oh, no, no, you need treatment. Yes. What treatment did they come at you with first? And how has that progressed? The lovely steroids, the lovely Uh steroids. I was on um, 60 milligrams for about a year and a half, a little under. Um, And that, of course, uh, weight gain, pre-diabetic, hypertension, um, you name it, uh, the moon face, all of it, uh, was taken off of that because of the impact. 
And, but at that point, there still was not a lot of discussion about new medications. And it was pretty much, okay, your labs look good. We're just going to kind of watch you. Then um, the eyes started, well, the skin. So then it was steroid injections directly into the skin and steroid creams, um, which thankfully no over whole body impact. Then when the eyes and the bones kicked off, that's when I was put on methotrexate. Um, no steroids at that point, thankfully. But then um, when the bones kicked off, that's when they said, okay, I started low dose steroids and that's five milligrams for three years. That pushed me over the edge with the diabetes. And um, let's see. At that point, I think it was year two is when I went back because by that point I'm taking metformin. Um, and even though they said five milligrams of steroids, you shouldn't be gaining weight. I probably took so 60 milligrams. I gained 80 pounds. Finally, after not being on steroids for a while, I had lost about 40. Um, started the low dose. Then they said, you should be fine. You're not going to five milligrams is not going to impact you. I probably ended up gaining back 30. And so after year two, I said, okay, look, I, I need to switch because steroids and I are not working out. You're, you're telling me I need to lose weight. I'm doing the things I need to do. And yet my weight is not going in the right direction. It's still creeping up. So that's when I was taken off the steroids uh, and put on leflutamide. I think I believe I'm saying that correctly. Okay. Um, but yeah, and I had to take off methotrexate and switch to Humira, which didn't work because the bones. And um, I'm now doing Remicade infusions or Infleximab infusions with the Leflunat. Remicade. And is that working? Uh, so far, the last, I'll go, actually go in June to get repeat uh, x-rays of my fingers. The They showed no further damage is what it was last year. So we're hoping it remains the same. Now we've kind of we've kind of just jumped right to. I, I want to hear more about your eyes and your bones. Sure. Uh, when you have sarcoidosis in your bones, what does that look or feel like? How do you know it's there? What What is the deal? Um, I know it's kind of hard to see on camera, but it's um, the fingertips of these three fingers are actually about now only about two times the size of the fingers on this hand, and. Um, what started off as just a finger swelling then turned into, I would go to pick up a pen or I'd go to pick up um, my purse or anything. And I could literally feel uh, something crunching in my fingertips. And um, uh, I was just like, you know, weird. Cause you know how every, every once in a while you, you'll, your fingers might pop or, you know, you crack something, but I went, no, that is literally in the fingertips. Um, I went to my local PCP and he told me it was finger clubbing due to sarcoidosis and lack of oxygen. Um, my sister actually has or had finger clubbing. Um, she was diagnosed after I did because I pushed her. Um, and so I've seen what finger clubbing looks like and all her fingers were impacted. I I've never heard that me. word before. I've never heard that word before. Finger, finger clubbing. Club yes. And fingers look like little clubs. Yes. I don't okay. know if you can kind of tell on camera, you see how this one's more rounded than the other? Yeah. It actually yeah, yeah. becomes very bulbous is the other word that they like Ooh. to use. And your, your nail bed actually changes shape where instead of being just, you know, just if you look at your hands, just regular nail bed, they yeah. actually expand because since the tip of your finger is getting bulbous, your nail bed has to go with it. And it actually started splitting because my, my nail bed couldn't keep up with the growth of the finger. So it was splitting. And um, as I initially pushed back because I told him, I said, every time I come to see you or I see my specialist, my oxygen um, gets recorded at 98, 99%. Uh, I'm not wheezing that I'm aware of and nobody's told me otherwise. And I've had breathing tests. And if that was the case, all of these should be bulbousy and look funny. It is literally these three. Um, went to see my pulmonologist and I was on methotrexate. And so they were really concerned about any of the other side effects that methotrexate could have. And she goes, okay, is there anything else going wrong with you? Cause your lungs look great. I don't normally see patients like you because 
you know, pulmonologist, so I'm not used to seeing healthy lungs <laughs> anymore. Uh, anything else going on? And I went, look. <laughs> and she goes, uh, that is not normal. And I haven't seen that with methotrexate patients. Let's send you for a hand x-ray, which then morphed into a whole body bone scan. And I now have a rheumatologist um, because they realized that um, on x-ray, my fingertips, all of them actually, but these three are the worst, um, my body has attacked the bones to the point to where it is broken down and my body's reabsorbing the bone. So, um, the reason they're swelling is because there's fluid and that's what causes the swelling. And I actually have four toes involved as well, but all of them, you can tell all of them have been attacked. It's just these three were hit the worst because I dropped a box on them while moving. Sorry, is that pain? Is it painful? Not dropping the box, but I'm just walking around every day with your toes and your, does it hurt? Yes. Um, it, it depends upon what I've done that day. Some days are worse than others. Um, I am a trainer, so I constantly typing and I love playing video games. So playing um, video games, typing certain things, there are days where I don't want to use my fingers. It's just, it's not worth, it's not worth it. Or I have become very adept at using my thumb and my ring finger on the right hand because it's, um, I don't know. It's not sensitive to touch per se, because like doing this does not hurt, but actually going to grab something. Um, it's unless I can figure out a way to grab it down here. It's, um, Think of the worst bruise that you've ever had. You know, you'll get that just you've hit it just right. And yeah. it doesn't really hurt until you you get it in the right place. That's what it feels like. Okay. Let's talk about your eye. Yes. You, so how did, did, what were your symptoms? Initially, just a lot of redness. Um, Tallahassee knows for pollen. And so, um, I just put it off that it's the pollen. I must, I'm, it, it is the green season and it's a lot of redness. And then um, the conjunctive, the uh, not conjunctivitis, but you know, the outside of your eyes were constantly inflamed, like felt like I had dirt in them. Um, and again, pollen, I just pushed that off. It wasn't until um, I have uh, glasses that actually with the tent, I just lost the name of it that you go outside in the sunlight and your, your lenses. Sure. Will, yep. Yeah. Yep. They get darker. Yeah. I walked outside, even with that on literally stopped in my tracks, shut my eyes and was like, Oh my God, the sun's too bright. My eyes literally hurt. Like, um, uh, the only way I could describe it is like a shooting pain through my eye. And I, I stood there just going, Oh my, <laughs> okay. This isn't normal. When was uh, that? Sorry? How long ago was that? Uh, that was probably about six years ago. Um, yeah, about six years ago. And, uh, again, went to my local eye care, uh, provider and it was like, yeah, we, this is, um, iritis and was prescribed steroid drops. Then it continued and I was diagnosed with uveitis and um, ended up getting referred to an ophthalmologist because I kept going to my optometrist because, of course, my glasses. And they were like, yeah, this is a steroids, um, the steroid, excuse me, this is a sarcoidosis issue, not just, you know, you have recurring eye infection. Um, and so that's how the eyes joined up. Wow. Is, is that controlled? Currently, yes. Uh, thankfully, with the eye drops, um, that I think I was on the eye drops for about a year. And I go back in um, right now. I'm thankfully because the last test, my last exam came back fine. I'm set to not have to see them for a year. But when my eyes are unhappy, I probably see the ophthalmologist about every three months. And drops and tests. Um, I do because of the last one have a uh, cataract. No, glaucoma, beginnings of a glaucoma in one eye because of the recurrent flares in my eyes. Um, so we're kind of watching that. You said the magic word flare, which is what a lot of sarcoidosis patients fear. Yes. You, you, you get everything under control and then all of a sudden you wake up one day 
and things aren't right and the sarcoidosis has become active wherever it is in, in somebody's body. So when you just use the word flare, uh, are you talking about flare as in bright light hitting your eye or a flare up of the sarcoidosis in your eye? A uh, flare of the sarcoidosis in my eye. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, the pain, felt, it feels like a flare of a, a light in my eye, but okay. my body has flared itself. There's something in my immune system that has gone into overdrive and done its attack like it usually likes to do. You mentioned Humira and that didn't work. You said because of the bones, I think is what you said. Yes. What is the connection between Humira and bones? Um, actually none. The only reason um, I was put on Humira, it was an experiment because uh, the methotrexate obviously worked perfect for the lungs, but because my bones were starting to go, she was like, okay, we can't put you back on steroids, obviously. Um, so what can we do? And at that point, uh, Humira was being, it wasn't officially approved for off-label use, but it was showing some impact on the immune system with patients that had Crohn's disease um, and really severe, I believe, IBS. And I apologize if I'm incorrect on that one, but it was definitely used in Crohn's. She said, okay, let's try something because obviously your body is still in overdrive. Um, Let's find a different method to shut off your immune system. Um, Humira was picked because there was another medication and I'm blanking on it right now that again, it was another off-label cancer medication, but there were so many other side effects. And one of them, uh, because of where my weight and my diabetes were, she was really hesitant to use that one. So um, that's why Humira was used. And it was just a test to see, would it help with my fingers? Because at this point, you know, my options were limited. And you ran it, what, for six months? I was on Humira actually a year. Um, cause, because it, they said it's six months just to figure out if things are going left or right. And, um, the first six months was to make sure my lungs did not re-engage for lack of a better word, re, uh, change in how they were uh, going. Um, the bones after six months, at least didn't show further damage. They were like, there's, and I'm never going to regrow the bone, but at least it didn't look like it had, it had gotten worse. Uh, the reason I had to switch from Humira to the infleximab infusions is, uh, the bones remained where they were, but then I lost the hearing in the left ear and they're like, okay, so (laughs) obviously something is not quite right again. So, um, you know, Humira kind of stable things or at least shut off my immune system enough, but not enough. So that's why I'm on infusions. Let's talk about your ear. What happened there? Again, my life in, I woke up one Sunday morning with a sinus infection. Um, I'm sorry, through all of this uh, with the whole eyes things, um, I've had problems with my sinuses um, for quite a while, but it was uh, after the eyes, um, I ended up, sarcoidosis caused me to have polyps inside my nose and in the back of my throat. Had the polyps removed, they were like, yes, this is definitely sarcoidosis, um, but you're already on all these other medications. That's what we would have prescribed for you. So, you know, call us back if something changes. Um, I woke up one Sunday with a very bad sinus infection, Um, you know, the usual signs and symptoms. And that's when I woke up that Sunday morning and um, my boyfriend asked me something, but he was on this side of me and I did not hear him at all. And um, he thought I was mad at him. <laughs> so it was later on the day he was, you know, through, throughout the day, he's like, okay, what did I do to make her mad at me that she wouldn't respond to me? And it wasn't until the, um, that later on that day that he asked, I said, I didn't hear you. And so he went over to that side and said something. I was like, I literally can't hear you. Went and saw the, um, I had the same day appointment Monday and they were like, oh, that's your sinus infection. Once your sinus is clear, here's an antibiotic, your hearing will return. Uh, Three weeks later, um, yeah, 
found out uh, my ear hairs are fine. I have no tumor pressing on the nerve. Um, further research, it's just one of the symptoms that you get single-sided hearing loss uh, caused by sarcoidosis. That is just amazing to me. So you're... <sighs> hmm. Yeah. So you're walking around, what, your job is you are a trainer. Yes. What kind of training do you do? Software. Um, technically, the official title is applications trainer. Yeah. Um, but so I train um, the electric, well, the full name is electronic health record system. I focus more on the practice management side. But when we do major upgrades and releases, uh, both of us end up training um, the doctors, the nurses, and the receptionists on how to use our system and ha- what changes come into being. You have the sarcoidosis all over your body. Mm-hmm. How does that impact your ability to just live your life day to day? It has an impact. And of course, the medication side effects um, play a greater role in how far I do things. Um, the the pain, like I said, it preventing me from, I used to knit as well. I don't do that anymore because my fingers get in the way. And then eventually after time, it really hurts to knit. Um, I saved my typing for work. So I don't play video online video games as much as I used to, just because I, I need to be able to type at work. Um, just anything, to be honest with you, gripping a jar to try to open it. So I, I bought a jar um, opener hearing aid so that I can hear on the left side. And that I, because the other part I realized with me not hearing, I was starting to um, lose how well I was enunciating words. Um, I won't call it, call it slurring my words, but I was losing just how well I was speaking. Um, I parse out my time, to be honest with you. If I know I'm going to take a trip, I don't do much the, before the trip. And I'm definitely not doing a lot after it because I'm just that tired. And when I say trip, my doctors um, are in Gainesville, which is about a two, two and a half hour drive from where I am. Um, And going to see a doctor is a trip because if I do it in a day, when I come back, I'm not going out to eat. I'm not, you know, doing what I usually do. You're not talking about going to Paris. I wish. (laughs) I really wish. No, just going to uh, see my doctor. My father lives um, two and a half hours in the other direction. So even just that, most people, it's just a day trip. Like, no, just a day trip is a lot of energy. The fatigue is real then. Do you take a lot of naps? Do you need the naps? Do you need extra sleep at night? Yes. Uh, problem is, is, you know, you get to that point where you're so tired, even though you lay down, you can't fall asleep. Um, certain days I'm like that. I've laid down. I would love to go to sleep. And I just, I'm just that tired to where I can't. Um, but yeah, naps are real. Naps are required. <laughs> Gary, you're doing a lot of work with the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research, as we mentioned just a moment ago. And one of them is you're on the Women of Color Committee. Yes. For people who aren't up to speed on that, what is that committee's responsibility? Sarcoidosis actually impacts the African-American women. I was going to say African-American community, and it does. But women are more impacted by the disease. Um, that if there's going to be a higher hospitalization rate, higher mortality rate, it's, it impacts African-American women uh, about up to 13 times more often than African-American men, even though they are impacted by the disease. Um, and um, unfortunately, my sister died from her sarcoidosis three years ago. That's what, what made me join um, FSR. And we buried the lead. I'm so sorry. That's okay. No, I actually, uh, I, it's not that I don't talk about it, but it's, it's, it, it's really the reason I joined FSR and um, why I um, applied in the first place because of her experience, the difference between her experience and mine. Then um, when I saw the women of color committee come up, that really made me go, okay, I, I need to be a part of this because of her experience and mine, and just in general and talking with different um, African-American people and some of our residents and going to see a physician, um, 
I don't want to say it's lack of exposure to certain diseases. And a lot of us are more prone to, I'm always tired. I don't feel well. I don't have time to go to the doctor. So, you know, he's just going to tell me or she's just going to tell me what I already know. So I'm just not going to go. And um, I wanted to be a part of that committee to help get more word out there that this is not a, a disease that you can just be like, oh, it'll be fine. I'm tired. I'll be tired tomorrow. I'll be tired next week. Let's just wait it out. And it's this disease. You cannot uh, just wait. The longer you wait, the more damage that's done and you can't recover from that damage. Once it's damaged, it's damaged. So that's what made me decide to join up. What was your sister's name? Sharon. Sharon. And she had sarco pulmonary sarcoidosis? Pulmonary, pulmonary and skin. Um, she never went in and got diagnosed for skin, but the spots on her face, it's like you have the exact same thing. Go see a dermatologist. Don't have time. I don't feel good. So, um, and she was um, from the city that we were from and her doctor only used prednisone. Steroids was their fallback. Um, even when with my methotrexate, when I realized what it was doing for me, I was on the road from Gainesville back home calling her, go see your doctor, get methotrexate, I promise you. Um, it impacted her lungs a way, uh, uh, I'm not sure if it was just due to time. Um, uh, she was a year and a half, year and a half, a year and a half older than I was. So um, I'm not sure if it's just due to age, just due to um, if sarcoidosis had been impacting her a whole lot longer. So yeah, by the time they caught it, by the time, you know, with steroids, um, her lungs couldn't take it. Uh, literally um, at the end, they said that we could not use any more medication to get any of the fluid off of her lungs. Her lungs are filling it faster than we can get it off of her. And that's what actually killed her. Oh, that must have been so sad. And it was and devastating on the family because, uh, you know, that's not what's supposed to happen. And as my father said, you're not supposed to bury your children. So it, it was it was hard. It was hard. So you stepped up and, and reached out to the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research, even though you had been dealing with SARC yourself for a good long time at that point. Yes. And, and so now you are a fellow advocate and our role as advocates is to help other sarcoidosis patients. Yes. You're on the Women of Color Committee. You're on the Patient Advisory Committee uh, with, with me. Um, and you are, uh, are you a navigator as well? I've applied to be a navigator. The applications close in a couple of weeks, I believe. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so what, what is it, what does it feel like these days when your job is outreach and counseling other people with sarcoidosis and, and what do you say to them? Um, it's a weird sensation to be honest, because it's not where I saw my life going, even though I'm a trainer, I'm, I'm an introvert <laughs> and, uh, Training for me is easy because I'm talking about the software. I'm, it's not talking about me. Um, in working with FSR, doing the advocacy, it's, it's, it's a different place for me to be because I'm talking about, yes, I'm talking about the disease, but I'm talking about my experience with it. So it's pushing me outside myself in ways that I'm not usually used to, even though I do speak publicly for a living. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a different place, but I do, I have to admit that I do like it because getting the word out about sarcoidosis helps. Um, unfortunately, my coworker, I don't think she, I think she's okay with it because I was so vocal about it at work. She was running into some health issues and was diagnosed with pulmonary sarcoidosis end of last year. Yeah. And it was just like, Oh, okay, I'm I'm sad that you're part of my club, <laughs> but I'm glad you got diagnosed. Right, um, right. because otherwise, um, yeah, she was having some interesting things that kept coming, and the went and had a biopsy. So, so many people say they don't know anybody else that has sarcoidosis. 
you had a sister and now you got a coworker. Yes. It's, it, it, it's, it's amazing. So you, so your coworker is doing okay. Yes. She's currently on methotrexate. Um, and I think the last time, um, they did a CT scan, things were looking good and they were going to keep her on the same dose, but she's, she's in the first six months, I believe. So yeah, she's got that, you know, the milestones to hit before you can really say things are going well. Is she also an African-American woman? No, 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 no. Okay. So it's just, it it just keeps on coming then, but, but I'm sure that she was curious because she had you as a resource. Yes. Um, And it was one of those kind of um, different conversations because it's not like uh, she works in my department, but she's not like a close coworker. So it was one of these, we had a, can I talk to you for a second? And um, she goes, yeah, I'm going in and I don't know quite what to do or what to expect. So I put on the FSR hat to the first thing you need to do is go out to the FSR website, go to stopsoccerdosis.org. Have your husband go out there as well, because your life is going to change, um, even though you haven't been feeling well and it's already been changing. If any medications are involved, then please don't do steroids, do something, see what you can do. Um, your life is going to change and how it impacts you and your family. And she's got grandchildren and you need to do this research now um, and don't think it can only stay within the lungs. You need, you need to think whole body. Don't just discount, well, um, you know, oh, I'm older. This must be arthritis pain. It's like, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. So are you doing support groups or anything like that? I'm not. I, I've thought about it. And um, my, intro, my introvert little gremlin's like, mm. <laughs> I, um, I, I, I thought about it and looked. And, and I think this is the introvert part. There's nothing local to me. Um, right. And so I was just like, okay, I've never right. done the next step. I, I was down the road a little bit with starting. A, we were going to have an event and maybe have a support group grow out of that here in my region in Roanoke, Virginia. Mm-hmm. And then the pandemic hit and everything got canceled. Yeah. Uh, and that was also about the time I started the, the podcast. And I, uh, for me, I kind of feel like the podcast is my support group because people are listening to you right now and they're hearing what you're saying. They're hearing what you're going through. And at least if they're looking for answers, they're hearing, they're hearing some of you know, what, what is quote unquote normal, if there is such a thing with sarcoidosis. Yeah. Uh, so they may have similar symptoms or similar issues with the prednisone or with the methotrexate or with uh, uh, the, the Remicade you've mentioned. All, all these things are things that I've been on as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so initially, I'm, I'm just curious because you said for a long time, you didn't reach out to FSR and you wrote an op-ed for your local paper and you said you didn't really research sarcoidosis at first. Was it because you just didn't want to know or you just kind of trusted your doctors to know what needed to be known and, and you were going to take your medication and go on with your life? Go back to that time and think. What was going on with you then? Um, I trusted my doctor um, in that you know stage one. And again, I, my problem was is I was so focused in on leukemia that um, that was my fear. And I had come home and I found one .gov website that mentioned sarcoidosis and lung involvement. I was like, okay, but um, leukemia was huge. So once I got that um, diagnosis of sarcoidosis, I was so relieved that it wasn't leukemia that I didn't push further on myself or the doctor. Um, cause of course now hindsight being 2020, even stage one, I should have said, excuse me, um, are we sure I don't need to do something else, anything else? I didn't even think about getting a second opinion. Um, and even the only thing I will say, thankfully, when I went back to my primary and she told me she didn't know anything about sarcoidosis and couldn't answer any of my questions and go see the surgeon, Um, I ended up switching to an internist um, who knew about sarcoidosis. Um, 
But even then, again, I put that trust in the, the physicians, didn't educate myself on it until things started changing. Yeah. And then, and then all of a sudden you, you jump in and I, I think I hear the same thing from people that they, and, and it can be kind of scary. I've been on uh, some of the online threads where people just say such terrible, awful things about what's going on with sarcoidosis, but they're not saying it in a reasonable, thoughtful way. Which isn't which isn't their job to do that, but I just didn't want to see it, and I didn't want I didn't want to know. I oh you know terrible disease, terrible medication, blah 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 blah, and then it would just stop. There wasn't any further explanation because people yeah. were just typing responses to one another, almost like reading a Facebook thread on a controversial issue, uh-huh. and people were just going after each other. Um, and nobody talking about that. Okay, yes, arthritis is is not a fun disease, but there are ways to function that yes, your life has changed, but this is not, this is not the end of it. Right. There's, there's other things that you can do. So nobody likes to put that on the, on the thread. That's not as interesting when you're looking at posts. Right. Yeah. People, people just have to be, have to be so sensational with their posts, but they're probably on that thread because they're either bored or mad or both. And so you're seeing the worst of, so I, so I just stopped looking honestly. Uh, but I, um, I, I, I found that I probably should have looked further faster and I'm hearing you say the same thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I'll admit, because I was surprised that I didn't know how long FSR had been around, um, that when I started searching for sarcoidosis originally, I only got the .gov sites, Medline, um, WebMD, um, and um, I just lost the name of the other one uh, that has a symptom checker on it that no doctor loves. And I did not start finding out about FSR until um, I probably was starting to search every week. I would go out and just sarcoidosis, pulmonary sarcoidosis. Let me see what I can find because this is ridiculous that I know it's rare. And at the time, I think it was 200,000 in the U.S. were being affected. It's like, but there has to be more. There has to be more that this is, this can't be just this couple of sites. And luck was on my side and FSR popped up Um, because I was starting to get to that point to where I think I'd been doing that for about a couple of months I was starting to get frustrated because the information was always the same short little intro, or like you said, the posts that were just, you know, depressing me, making feel like, okay, uh, I'm not going to die tomorrow, but I'm, I'm going to pass soon. <laughs> I don't want to hear this anymore. That right. uh, I found the FSR site. Right. Well, Gar, is there anything else you want to add to this conversation? We've, I, I appreciate you kind of bearing your soul here with our listeners? Um, honestly, if one person, okay, not more, not one, but if more people would, if you're ever finding yourself going, I, okay, this is, you're, you're discounting your own symptoms and you're thinking, well, it must just be allergies. Oh, I'm just tired. And I'm always tired. Um, you know, sarcoidosis doesn't just impact the lungs. Um, the heart can be impacted. Um, the Your eyes, the skin, bones, you name it, it can impact the body. And even with, I don't have time, I don't have the energy, just go to that one appointment and talk to your physician. Um, even if you're not the one having the symptoms, everybody talks to their friends, everybody talks to their family. You always hear, you know, that common issue with that family member, with that friend, talk to them, get them to go. Cause even if it's not sarcoidosis, it could be anything and everything else. They need to get, go in and be seen. Um, and it's not to say that don't trust your doctors, but if they tell you, okay, we think you have this, or we have confirmed this diagnosis, do your research, go out there. The internet is huge. Yes. You're going to run into some information. Um, 
that's when you do more research. Just because you found one answer, you found one source, you don't stick with just that one source. You look at everything as much as you can and get that knowledge for yourself so you know what you're going to have to live with. And that helps better prepare you for your next office visit. And hey, find, I found this thing. Find a doctor that is a specialist in sarcoidosis. Yes. There are lots of doctors who may have one or two sarcoidosis patients. That's not the same thing. No, and no, not even close to it. um, Because you are well aware sarcoidosis is uh, so varied that there's a commonality amongst all of us, but how sarcoidosis impacts you is different than how it impacts me. And yes, it is a disease of granulomas, but how your body takes that granuloma, you really need someone who has a breadth of knowledge, um, not just like you said, one or two Z is not enough knowledge for this disease. Regara, right. thank you for joining me on the Sark Fighter podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I love listening to you. I've watched your podcast before, so this is fantastic. This was fun. Great. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. I feel like a zombie Just feeding and stumbling Poor Gari went from an issue with her cute shoes to something unfortunately much more serious. I did not ask her if she ever got back to the opportunity to wear those shoes. I certainly hope she did. Maybe she can share that with us and I can give you an update in a future podcast down the line. But a couple of takeaways from the interview, the shoes notwithstanding, she said she should have pushed harder after that initial diagnosis. Her doctor was okay with no treatment and for four years that seemed okay until unfortunately it wasn't. And that is a tough call because in half the cases, sarcoidosis does just go away on its own. And the doctor maybe didn't know a lot about sarcoidosis, thought maybe it would run its course. But then we see the other side of things, as Gari told us, with her sister who passed from the disease because her lungs became so clogged with the granulomas that came from sarcoidosis. And that is a terribly, terribly sad story. And and Gari, I I know it's been a little bit, but our thoughts and prayers are, are still with you. So thanks again to Gari for joining me, bearing her soul, and of course for all the work she is doing for all of us by volunteering with the outreach at FSR. A reminder, the official Sark Fighter song, you hear it in every episode in bits and pieces, is called Zombie by Mark Steyer and his band, the White Hot Lizards. Hear Mark's story, the story behind the lyrics in episode 12. He is a fellow Sark fighter, and occasionally I will play for you the entire song at the end of an episode. I did that at the end of episode 61, so you might want to go back and listen. We release the podcast every other Monday. As I'm speaking today, my trusty dog, Dougal, my rescue boxer, is curled up here in my office. Dougal and my auxiliary dog, Pippa, my little terrier mix, make my life so much better. And I just love to have the company of my of my dogs. Please don't forget to go back and listen to a bonus episode on Sark and COVID and another bonus episode on dealing with prednisone. Talked a lot about prednisone on this. Uh, in fact, Sanjay Shuklo was one of the guests on that episode. And then the most recent bonus episode talks about the universal barriers that we all face with sarcoidosis, but how it's even more difficult for some people, depending upon their background or the zip code in which they live. A very interesting perspective. So three bonus episodes if you just go back and search, and I'll, and those are always in the show notes here on the Sark Fighter podcast. There are rare opportunities there as all the right people come together in one place at the same time, and they all join here on the podcast in a place that they've probably never joined before. If you're new here and you just want to know what sarcoidosis is, go back and listen to episode two with Dr. Simon Hart. That is one of the most listened to episodes. If you want to know my deal, that's episode one. And the backstory to the founding of the foundation, 
For Sarcoidosis Research is episode 11 with Andrea and Redding Wilson, who started the foundation at their kitchen table more than 20 years ago, Andrea being a Sark fighter herself. Please send me an email if you'd like to appear on the podcast or if you just want to let me know if uh, you have a thought, a suggestion, if you think the podcast is helping. God, I can't tell you how much it means to me when someone just reaches out and says, thank you for the podcast because uh, it's made a big difference in my life because that helps me know that uh, all this effort is worth it, okay? And also follow The Sark Fighter on Instagram and on the Facebook page. Uh, I do post updates and talk about things that I maybe don't have a time, don't have the time to talk about on the podcast. Uh, little little updates along the way. And just I, I actually let you know what's going on in my life day to day. And to the extent that you might be interested in that, um, that's all there. So thank you so much. Uh, It does help me reach more people and grow this podcast. If you share it on your social media, if you would just grab the link and let people know what we're talking about here and just tell one other person here in the sarcoidosis space. Thanks again to Gary Farrow for joining me here today. And we look forward to an upcoming podcast with Dr. Sanjay Shukla. Until next time, keep fighting. Learn to suffer, you feel pain someday Learn endurance, your strength will fade away Dead man walking, trying to